The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. You know, we do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! Good evening and welcome to Political Prisoner Radio. It is November the 15th, 2015 on this Sunday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time right here on Black Talk Radio Network .com. Um, Just hope that you all had a safe weekend. Lots of things to navigate out there on the battlefield. We do have a lot of information to share with you tonight. Uh, tonight we are going to start off with some case updates on Albert Woodfox, who is one of the Angola Three. Uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal has a case update as well, and an update on the ongoing medical emergency campaign for Robert Self Hayes, which we discussed on our last broadcast. Uh, of course, all three men were or are affiliated with the Black Panther Party that was founded in 1966 to confront police brutality and murder that was occurring in oppressed communities. They were, uh, I, I shouldn't say original, because, uh, of course, you know, you had the Nation of Islam and the work of Malcolm X before that. You had Robert F. Williams and the Black Guard before. Uh, before that, then you also, I mean, we've had a number of organizations that have been involved. Ida B. Wells, uh, yeah, number of organizations out there make, trying to make Black Lives Matter. Um, but the Black Panther Party was a political organization that was illegally targeted for destruction by any means necessary on the orders of a FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, of course, through the COINTEL. Uh, program which is uh, declassified. Everybody knows about it, but yet, you know, these political prisoners that were targeted, um, you know, still in prison. That's why we have to do this program. We'll also share the latest political prisoner radio mix, which is comprised of the latest prisonradio.org. That's prisonradio.org. Uh, the latest prisoner radio commentaries from them. Voices you will hear are from. Kerry uh, Shakabuna Marshall, uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal, and uh, Mutope uh, Dugamo, I think it's how you pronounce his name, I probably butchered it, but uh, yeah. Uh, during the last portion of the program, I do want to uh, give Sister Mijo and myself, and you the listener if you want to call in, uh, to offer commentary and uh, give background information on the violence that occurred in Paris, France. You had uh, violent attacks targeting the civilian populations in France, but it did not happen in a vacuum. And um, many people in uh, politics would refer to it as blowback. Uh, that's a favorite uh, term that I've heard Ron Paul use in reference to the United States uh, trying to occupy the world and, and doing nevarious things and it causes blowback and of course you know NATO and European nations still do the same I learned a lot in the past 24 hours about the continued colonization of African countries by France 
Um, a lot of people don't want to talk about that, and I understand people have empathy whenever civilians are killed. Uh, but at the same time, you should uh, think consciously about when you repping that flag on social media, what that flag stands for. Um, I, like I heard somebody on Facebook say, the French flag isn't necessarily representative of the people of France, the Parisians uh, uh, in Paris, France, but it's representative of their government. And that flag has a long history connected with the oppression of non-white people, primarily African people, globally. Um, now, it was also reported, this is some breaking news, uh, it was reported by the Associated Press that Iraqi officials warned the U.S. government and France specifically of impending attacks. And um, I'll talk more about this in depth because this is on uh, on tomorrow's program, Black Talk Radio News, since uh, Political Prisoner Radio is only an hour long and the Lotus Place will be coming on following us. Uh, so I'll talk more uh, about it, uh, about, you know, uh, whether or not the question that I'm going to ask on tomorrow's program, and we can get a little bit into it tonight if we have time, uh, but is capitalism putting civilians at risk for these sort of attacks? And my line of thinking is, is that when these governments, this is the first time I've heard of the U.S. government getting poor warnings, uh, Russia warned. Uh, the U.S. gave him a phone call and warned him about the two brothers that were implicated in the marathon bombing, the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, also, we want to take it back to Iraq. Uh, we know there was a memo, a national security memo. Uh, bin Laden determined to attack within the United States. So I'm asking the question, are they not... Uh, um, Issuing these warnings to people because they worried about people staying home and not spending money and thus damaging the economy. So, um, yeah, it's capitalism putting people at risk for these sort of violent, uh, politically motivated attacks. So if you want to give us a call and weigh in, you can do so at 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549 Zero three two pound that's six four one seven one five thirty six sixty. The participant code five four nine zero three two pound. Of course, hit star six and one. You can come in on air. Also, you can use the web-based flash phone. Uh, just put in those numbers. The um, including the participant code. Um, a flash phone is it's just a web-based phone dialer. As long as you got a pair of headsets with a microphone, uh, it'll be a free call for you. Uh, before we go further and get into uh, the information that we want to share with you, I do need to welcome in and open up her mic, and that is our uh, co-host and co-producer, Sister Amija Whitlock. Greetings to you tonight, sis. Hey, got a greeting. Um, is there anything specifically or on your mind? I, I know uh, you live in the area. Well, I'm also thinking about, you know, now that I think about it, and we'll talk about it later, Sister Amija. But um, Baltimore has been identified one of those places where they go, where they uh, are wanting to send Syrian refugees. I don't know if they've brought any there now, but I think uh, considering another re news report that one of the alleged uh, attackers in, in Paris had a Syrian passport and whatnot. So, I mean, there are some, I'm looking at it from militarily and just being realistic. There are some security risks involved when you bring in a large number of people from a war zone that you help cause. 
So, um, yeah, I'm thinking about Baltimore and uh, other communities that may uh, be affected by this influx of people from this war zone. Um, there are two things that, like, sit with me right now. Um, when we talk about France, um, we have to put France in its, in its proper context. Right. Um, it literally is one of the most racist, imperialistic nations <laughs> in the world. And, um, because people are not looking at, um, you know, I, I shared that information um, earlier today about how um, all 14 African nations um, that were um, colonies of France, um, all of them financially um, in a, I guess, a uh, neo-colonialistic state, um, their their banks and, and the money and everything is still primarily managed by France. You know, all 14 nations to the point where, um, less than 15%, um, of the money is actually money from, um, the specific nation out of the 14. And then not only when there's a need for, you know, finances, then they have to go back, um, to France, um, to get their own money. Wow. So, um, that just, that to me is like, you know, for the, for the listeners, if they don't quite, you know, understand, you know, development issues and why things are the way, you know, that they are, um, there's various different forms of colonialism, post-colonialism, neo-colonialism, and now various other forms of colonization taking place, you know, um, on the continent of Africa, um, to where China has huge chunks, um, but, but France and, um, Various different European nations have always had, um, I mean, carved up the continent, you know. Um, and specifically, um, there was um, the wars in Rwanda between right, the Hutu right. and the Tutsis. Right. And it's a very known fact that, you know, Belgium and France were in, involved in that genocide uh -huh. that took place. Well, we will get more uh, in depth right. and share more right. information uh, right. during the second half of the of the program. Uh, but first, right. let's let's go ahead to our first case update, uh, yeah. which is well, one uh, other thing, Scotty. Sure. I don't mean to cut you off. The other thing that I really wanted to bring up was um, the young man that was murdered by the police in um, Minneapolis. And um, for me, right now, which know, one? My which one? Definitely uh, Jamar. Okay, so yes, it's a new one. You're not talking about Tony Robinson. It, it's, did this new. one fa uh, happen fairly recent? Yes. Okay. Yes. So right now, activists are in the streets in Minneapolis, shutting streets down. Um, so yeah, if you know our listeners don't know what's happening in Minneapolis, um, definitely check out you know some live streams and look online. And if you're on Twitter, go to the hashtag um, Justice for Jamar. Jamar, that's spelled J-A-M-A-R? Yep. All right. Well, let's jump into our uh, first story tonight. Uh, Albert Wood Fox is the remaining uh, member behind bars, known as the Angola Three, uh, three men, uh, Robert King, um, as well as uh, Herman Wallace, who passed away uh, about two days after getting out of prison, finally, 
And uh, then Albert Woodfox is the last remaining uh, member who has been tortured uh, for four decades in solitary confinement for a crime that the evidence says he didn't commit, that he insists that he doesn't, he didn't commit, that even his, uh, the widow of the victim who names escapes me right now. Do you remember the name of that prison guard that they were set up for killing? Uh, Sister Meejo, do you remember his name? No. I can't think of his name. But anyway, his widow has spoken out uh, for on behalf of the Angola Three and that she uh, believes that they're innocent and she has called for Lu the state of Louisiana to quit this charade. Well, this story, unfortunately, uh, is reveals that um, Louisiana wants to continue the malicious uh, political prosecution of Albert uh, Wood Fox. Again, these men started a, a Black Panther Party prison chapter in Angola prison, a very notorious uh, uh, prison, all kind of abuse of prisoners, uh, prisoner on prisoner violence, just all sort of things. And, and they started a prison chapter of the Black Panther Party to address those issues. And because of that brought about solidarity between the prisoners of all different ethnicities, class, racial classifications, and, and the guards weren't able to, I guess, manipulate them anymore. So they targeted the Angola Three. Um, uh, and, and when opportunity arose, set them up for the murder of a prison guard. Well, anyway, uh, we have been reporting on Albert Woodfox uh, being the last remaining member of the Angola Three and how several times uh, federal courts have overturned uh, his conviction, citing racial discrimination and prosecutorial misconduct. Um, and so they have overturned not once, but twice, both of his convictions. Uh, so, but um, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on Monday of last week, that would have been the day after we did our last program, uh, they, they dealt a blow to his case. Um, again, he has twice been tried and convicted for the alleged role in the 1972 killing of prison guard Brent Miller. I, I thought that was, I was about to say Brent Grimes, but that's an NFL player. Uh, anyway, Brent Miller. Uh, he has spent 23 hours a day in a six by nine foot cell at the state penitentiary in Angola, Louisiana, ever since. Again, uh, and this is an article coming to you from Mother Jones, published by Michael Mechanic. Um, he said the, um, uh, let me see if I can scroll down. Um, the men contend that they were targeted by prison authorities and convicted of murder, not based on the actual evidence, which was dubious at best, but because they were members of the Black Panther Party's prison chapter, which was organizing against horrendous conditions at, at Angola, uh, wrote James Ridgeway, who covered the Angola Three for Mother Jones and has also profiled the prison's notorious warden, Burl Kane. Uh, this political affiliation, they say, also accounted for their seemingly permanent stay in solitary confinement. Again, the international uh, medical community has determined that solitary confinement is torture. Uh, that even under it with within 48 hours, a person can be permanently psychologically uh, damaged. And again, United States uses uh, solitary confinement even against children. So this has opened up the way for the state of Louisiana, which through its attorney general, Buddy Codwell, um, 
keeps retrying in uh um the Angola three members. Again, Robert King is the only one who's out, uh, but Albert Wood Fox remains. Sis, you got any thoughts on the case and this latest latest news uh about, you know, looks like Louisiana's gonna try to try him again. Right. Um, I find it to be extremely disturbing. Um, like I would expect most of us to. Um I think the question, you know, at this point is how much influence do we need to exert on one of the most favorite proxy races we like talking about, Bobby Tenders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I guess there needs to be, you know, different kinds of um, internal um, strategy and uh, more work to happen. Amnesty International had a Mid-Atlantic Regional Conference this weekend here in Baltimore. So I would expect some additional work to come out of that since uh, his case was actually highlighted today. After all of this time, um, again, we're talking over 40 years, and this case, unlike many other cases involving political prisoners, has been pretty high profile internationally. And I think, you know, um, when we look at it on the international level, um, I think people would give a lot of credit to Amnesty International, who has had an international campaign on behalf of the Angola uh, three, but do you think though? I mean, it, it seems to me like they had to get one of those Daniel Holes cloths juries, all white juries down there in in Louisiana, in, in order to get another conviction. Because I just can't see uh, anybody in Louisiana not being informed about this case or saying I never heard anything about it. I mean, I know it's possible, uh, but uh, again, this case has been receiving widespread attention for a number of years. Uh, but assuming they don't stack the jury with uh, 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 white people who don't have empathy or who want to practice injustice, um, I just can't see them getting another conviction. But again, you know, I, I, I could be wrong. I think the question at this point is after all these years, you know, what kind of evidence you know, would necessarily be available for, mm-hmm. you know, a jury or anyone to be able to really look at, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all this, whatever circumstantial is there, um, it's always been BS and circumstantial. And, of course, you know, when you have, you know, family members, you know, of the guard saying that they believe that he's innocent, you know, I think that that's going to be, you know, that would be house testimony, you know, on his behalf. But, you know, it just speaks to the level of, um, if you want to say, the viscerality and hate of uh, that the correctional officers have um, towards him. Buddy Caldwell as um, well, the attorney general. Right, right. You know, and um, I mean, just all these years of, you know, holding him hot hostage and having him being kidnapped away from his family, you know, and now he has multiple illnesses, and that's what is even, like, beyond disturbing, that, you know, he's an elderly man with multiple illnesses. Spent you know, 40 years like in solitary confinement. Yeah. 
you know, disgusting. Yes, it is. Well, the next story, that, and, and to close off uh, or to segue from that story, I do want to say one last thing. You know, you mentioned the the fiancé of, uh, I don't know if, it's, if they were married at the time. I think they were. The widow of Brent Miller, again, has done appeared in numerous, uh, numerous documentaries and spoken publicly about uh, her belief in their innocence and has called on the state of Louisiana to stop this charade and stop putting Brent Miller's family through this. So, again, that just adds another element to the vicious and malicious uh, prosecution that's going on here. But being that, you know, she is the uh, uh, widow of Brent Miller, I think now will be a good time, even before the state of Louisiana uh, announces, you know, a new trial and goes through the procedures to get set a trial date and whatnot to ramp up a media campaign, especially targeted towards Louisiana. You know, um, I, I don't like to spend money I don't have, but I would say even uh, making YouTube or um, Facebook um, uh, propaganda on their behalf, on his behalf. And then because then you could target people on Facebook to buy their location. So that's just an ideal I'm throwing out there. You know, um, those ads aren't terribly expensive. You could like five dollars, get, you know, thousand, get it in front of a thousand people. So that's not terribly um, expensive if you want to do a, a targeted campaign to target any potential jurors now they you know we know they'll say yeah that's unethical and whatnot and trying to influence the jury before it's even be, been picked or whatnot but hell ain't that what COINTEL pro did work with the media and still doing to demonize our people and make sure or 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 uh defendants that they don't get a fair trial and even outside of political prisoners i mean it happens to to just regular people who have been caught up in the system so i'll leave it i'll leave it at that um and other breaking news um oral arguments have been scheduled in the abu jamal versus karastits i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that name right uh, for December the 18th in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Let me give you some of the details. This comes to you from the Abolitionist Law Center. Uh, Brett Grote of the Abolitionist Law Center and co-counsel Bob Boyle of NYC will argue, argue before Middle District Federal Court Judge Robert Marion. Uh, our position is that Mumia Abu-Jamal has the right to immediate life-saving medically indicated treatment for his chronic inactive hepatitis C. There is a cure and it should not be denied to prisoners. Uh, we are in the thick of this legal battle for uh, Abu Jamal and we plan to win for Mamiya and for all prisoners battling hepatitis C. Uh, this is a case where defending medical care for one will defend the right to medical care for all prisoners. Uh, they are asking that you join them at the courthouse for oral arguments on Friday, December the 18th at 10.30 a.m. Um, at the William J. Nilon Federal Building in Scranton, uh, Pennsylvania. That comes from uh, PrisonRadio.org's uh, director, uh, Noel Hanrahan. And uh, they also, yesterday, well, two days ago, they had an emergency town hall meeting for hepatitis C treatment for Mamiya. 
and all prisoners. And so, again, man, uh, because people ain't informed and then some people will, they'll read these stories and they're just sick and sadistic type people. And, you know, they'd be like, well, you shouldn't have done the crime and all this. And they think it's totally legitimate uh, to deny health care. Especially when you have a, a a cure for hepatitis C and you're withholding that. I think I've heard the term medical murder. So this is like premeditated me- medical murder that they're planning uh, to to uh, do to Momia as well as anyone else in the in, in Pennsylvania correction system that's suffering from hepatitis C. You have any thoughts, sister? Yeah, I think this, um, you know, has has an opportunity to be an extremely um, important case regarding um, medical services inside of uh, the prison system and potentially um, set some kind of a precedent, not just in Pennsylvania, but, you know, across the country. Right, and it will affect all prisoners, not just in, I think, well, yeah, is this a federal case? It, it would, in fact, imply it would be applied to federal prisons, and I imagine it would have to be applied to state prisons because Mumia's in a uh, state uh, custody of uh, Pennsylvania, uh, but not only just the private prison corporations. I, it could have. Why well, I have to look at it more. Uh, get Johanan and Max. Maybe we'll take a look at this on for New Abolitionist Radio because it does. Uh, relate to prison slavery overall, uh, you know, and that's like treating you worse than an enslaved African because, you know, uh, back in the day, they, you know, at least tried to not let you die. But now, you know, this is different. You know, they trying to murder people like Mumia because of their their uh, uh, names and, and their past political activities. And in case of Mumia, who will hear hear here. Yeah, ongoing. We'll hear him just a bit. You know, from the prison radio commentaries on our prison radio um, uh, uh, mix, radio mix, uh, political prisoner radio mix, I I should say. So that's something we definitely want to look at. Immigration detention. You know, this goes on all across uh, this nation. And and then you want to call, like my mama say, and they want to call themselves civilized. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, to our next story. Our next story, we did uh, bring this information to you last week, but it is urgent and more um, appeals have come out from the supporters and family members of Robert Self Hayes, another uh, Black Panther Party affiliated uh, activist. Uh, I'll just read this update to you. It comes from Nate Buckley, and he sent this out on November the 9th, and I just came across it today. That was a day after we did uh, our last Sunday show anyway, so we wouldn't have been able to talk about it. But this was sent out by Nate uh, last Monday. He said, I spoke with Sheila tonight. Sheila is Self Hayes' uh, daughter, and um, so Mr. Buckley said he spoke with Sheila, and Self got an x-ray today, and the nurse said it was a lot worse than on the previous x-ray. The nurse said she was going to request to the authorities that he sees the pulmonary specialist sooner than next month, but there is no guarantee. Uh, Self is requesting a wheelchair because he can hardly walk. Sheila said he coughs so much on the phone he's out of breath. On Saturday, November the 7th, uh, 2015, NYC Jericho received a call from Ori Lumumba regarding Robert Self Hayes, and that's 
uh, the information that we shared with you last uh, week. Uh, here is another update on from November the 11th. Says that uh, self goes to medical twice daily, once at 7:30 a.m. and once again at 5:30 p.m. to get his nebulizer and insulin. On Friday, November the 6, 2015, while at medical, self as usual was one of first in line to get his shot with many people behind him. He asked for the nebulizer, and C.O. Slater said he would have to wait. That he didn't need the treatment right then. Self would have had to wait for about an hour and a half until the rest of the line got their insulin in order to receive his treatment. Seth being fatigued from getting down to medical out of breath and tired was seriously frustrated when this CEO who is not a medical professional stepped in and no medical staff uh, deferred. In protest Seth went back to his cell without treatment and did not wait the allotted half hour. He got his treatment along with his insulin later at 5.30. Uh, you can read the rest of this. It's fairly long. You can read the rest of this on our page Political prisoner radio you'll see the photo of uh sheila um seth's daughter uh you know in in one of those prison photos a uh, visitor uh photo so it also goes on to uh give you some information i'll give you this information uh so that you can call and put pressure on these people uh, again last week the call went out to to get this co slater from having any further contact with um with robert because uh, apparently, you know, he is a, a scumbag and, and a piece of human garbage. I would, you know, I think calling him a human is too nice of a word. But, uh, yeah, uh, interfering with this man. I mean, who gets off on that kind of stuff, man? I mean, what do you get out of preventing somebody from getting treatment for serious medical issues? But you're being asked to call the superintendent Kaiser at Sullivan Prison. That is 845 434 2080. Uh, Dr. Cohen Nixman at 518-457-7073. That's the phone number. The Dr. Cohen Nixman is 518-457-7073. The fax is 518-445-7553. The fax again is 518-445-7553. Uh, if you also would like to write him a letter or get put on his visiting list, if you're in that area or you're within traveling distance, you can get uh, his information of, on how you can do that. Um, also, Sullivan will pick you up um, at the door uh, for a ride, and so you can just go and read more uh, about that. And there's also a link to a fundraiser for uh, Mr. Robert Self Hayes, one of our, 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 our veteran. Uh, freedom fighters out there making Black Lives Matter uh, before they set them up. Uh, Sister Amija, before we uh, go into uh, the break and then uh, the political prisoner radio mix, did you have any comments on Seth's case? I do, actually. I just got um, an email for an emergency meeting. Um, there will We will be having an emergency meeting for Seth Hayes on Tuesday, November 17th at 6.30 p.m at the Solidarity Center in New York. It's 147 West 24th Street, second floor. Uh, this is to strategize about next steps to take to ensure that Seth receives his needed medical care. Okay. This is out in New York, Jericho. All right. And, and again, um, some of this information you will be able to find uh, via Political Prisoner Radio's Facebook page. Just type in the search engine if you're on Facebook. 
uh, Political Prisoner Radio. It'll come up. Um, if you have not liked the page or even if you like the page and you find that you are not getting any notifications from us in your news feed, uh, go back to the page, uh, click on like again. They have added a new feature. They updated it, but you always had to take this second step, and a lot of people don't know that. But you uh, you click on it again after you like it one time, and then a box will come down, and then you could choose to get notifications. If you don't click on that box to get notifications, well, that's why you're not getting any updates in your news feed on Facebook from Political Prisoner Radio. And, of course, uh, all everything we post to Facebook, uh, political prisoner radio page also goes out to the black talk radio twitter page that's at black talk radio if you are on uh twitter uh we are going to uh take a station identification break go into this uh political prisoner radio radio mix of some of the latest commentaries of prisoners uh which were recorded by noel hammerhand of prison radio you're listening to Political Prisoner Radio. We broadcast every Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time right here on Black Talk Radio Network. This is Ron Hayes with Hood News, and you're listening to the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. Do you have a business or product sold on the Internet? If you do, you may have heard that an increasing number of web surfers are deploying ad blockers that block banner ads on websites. However, there is one type of ad that cannot be blocked, and that is the audio ads you hear on the radio. The same applies to audio ads played in podcasts and internet-based radio streams. Consider promoting your business on the digital radio station Black Talk Radio Network and get a guaranteed number of listeners. To request our ad rate sheet, send an email to admin at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Black Talk Radio, new black media for the new millennium. Mutope de Goma are speaking on the power of the people. We the people have to realize that we have power in numbers, whereas we prisoners of all racial makeups demonstrated in our peaceful protest to end solitary confinement in California as we knew it. Yes, our prison human rights movement was slash is about demanding that we humans who happen to be prisoners be treated humanely by those who will power over us, which can easily be carried out in many other struggles and causes today, whereas the power that be has overstepped its boundaries in relation to how they treat human beings, especially where they deny common poor people the right to affordable housing, sustainable wages that the people can live off of, or subjecting the people to police brutality, mass incarceration, inadequate educational institutions, genetically modified organisms, food, environmental genocide, etc., that can all be successfully challenged by the people and for the people by using the power of the people to peacefully protest anywhere there exists attacks on our humanity. There should be an economic consequence for any and all who transgress against humanity. We have to understand that we live in a world that is driven by grief, whether it's on a microcosm or a macrocosm level. It's the same contradictions, problems that threaten the earth and our humanity throughout the world. 
the only real action that will end such a power structure is the power of the people. I salute the oppressed and all who are living in love and in strength. One love, one struggle equals one result. Pope to go. Prison censoring, self-control police by Shaka Buna. In states across the country, we have state departmental agencies like the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation and the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections acting as government self-control police over prisoners in an attempt to control their minds and actions via censoring literature readily available to the public. The censored literature covers a wide range of topics, mostly on leftist, socialist, African or Islamic religious, and African or Latino history and cultural topics. Literature that is deemed ethnic and un-American is censored as a threat. In the California Department of Corrections, if a prisoner is found to possess a picture of civil rights legend Cesar Chavez or Malcolm X, or books on African or Mexican history, or any leftist or socialist political writing, such material will be confiscated as contraband items and used against the prisoners as evidence of gang affiliation. Prisoners caught with such material are designated as a member of a security threat group and then placed under indefinite solitary confinement. Currently, in response to the Pelican Bay prison hunger strike throughout California state prison system, prison officials have censored prisoners' mail, visits, and phone calls to their families, human rights organizations, and the media in an attempt to silence prisoners' messages of California Department of Corrections torture chambers to the world. In Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections has a banned books catalog of 5,000 pages where they have banned nearly all books that has African, Black, or Islam in its title. Most urban street novels and urban street magazines are banned from reading. African-American history books like The Autobiography of Malcolm X, The Miseducation of the Negro, Without Sanctuary, and Souls of Black Folk have all been banned by prison officials. Many leftist political magazines and books have been censored as well. In particular, the movement, human rights magazine, and all of the books written by political prisoner Mumia Abu-Jamal. Like the 19th century slave plantation system, the penal plantation system seeks to pull out all the stops to prevent a prisoner from learning and becoming politically conscious. Because to prison officials, the most dangerous thing is an educated prisoner. From the belly of the beast at Prison Radio, I am Shaka Boonin. Thank you for listening. To serve and protect or ravish and wreck, whoever we are, no matter our media source, we need not go far to find a praise story in the press about police. A cop pulls a man from a burning car. A cop helps an old lady across the street. These are staples upon which the media machine feeds. Yet, when the Associated Press Media Wire Service released its recent exclusive on police across the country engaging in hundreds of acts of sexual oppression, rape, 
sodomy and targeted sexual molestation of children. The silence has been deafening. Almost 1,000 cops from sheriff deputies to so-called school resource officers raping, sodomizing, forcing women, children, and men into sexually compromised positions is, to say the least, deeply shocking. The article, which filled a whole page of the Sunday Times of Scranton, Pennsylvania, featured a chilling account of a woman in her 50s returning home from a game of dominoes with friends. Suddenly, a police car signaled her to stop, and she did so. For the cops' safety, she was pat-searched. Then her blouse was pulled up, and her pants were pulled down. Another search. Clearly unarmed, the woman was forced to give the cop oral sex in the patrol car of the Oklahoma City Police Department. The cop barked out, Come on, I don't have all night. The AP researched hundreds of cases such as these from all over the country, covering some 44 states. Journalists Matt Sedensky and Noman Marchand found cases covering children in school suffering molestation from so-called school resource officers to teenage members of police internship programs chased, harassed, and raped by their adult police trainers. As shocking as it is repellent, this is a story of police gone wild, where they serve and protect themselves and treat those who pay them as so much rubbish. If you haven't read this in your local paper, or heard it on radio, or seen it covered in the news of your local or national news programs, you have been woefully misinformed about the true nature of American police. This ain't law and order. These are the actions of outlaws and disorder masquerading as peace officers. This is America's rape culture, silent, hidden violence against the weak, the unarmed, the young, and the helpless. This is America at the beginning of a new century in the grip of police madness. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu-Jamal. U.S. Supreme Court okays life without parole imprisonment for children by Shaka Boonin. As we take one step forward to become a more civilized and enlightened American nation, the dregs of society pull us two steps backwards. I'm speaking of the United States Supreme Court taking a huge step forward by using the cases Roper versus Simmons, Graham versus Florida, and Miller versus Alabama to end death penalty sentences and mandatory life without parole sentencing of children under the age of 18 to bring the U.S. into conformity with international human rights agreements like the 1989 United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. The two steps backwards is how state legislatures and district attorney associations have been working overtime to keep the legal practice of life sentencing intact by taking advantage of the loopholes left open in the Miller case by the United States Supreme Court justices for that purpose. Let me explain. America is a master of deception. The Supreme Court justices never intended to outright abolish life imprisonment for children entirely. The justices could have abolished sentencing children to life imprisonment in the Miller case, but they didn't. 
Instead, the justices simply held that mandatory life without parole sentencing schemes for child offenders is unlawful. The justices have implied that state courts and legislators can keep their barbaric legal practice of sentencing children to life with or without parole imprisonment, but that they just can't impose such sentences on children in a mandatory fashion. And there we go, people, two steps backwards. The U.S. Supreme Court is attempting to fool the American people and the United Nations into believing that America has finally joined the rest of the world's nations into conforming to the international human rights agreement so that the domestic and international pressure they were under to abolish sentencing children to life imprisonment will now end. Meanwhile, state courts continue to sentence children to death by incarceration via life without parole imprisonment. From the belly of the beast at Prison Radio, I am Shaka Boone. Thank you for listening. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back to Political Prisoner Radio. And again, uh, we really do appreciate the work of Noelle Hammerhan and all those who work with her at Prison Radio. And of course, we certainly appreciate the commentary on current events and the oppression that we're facing from our activists, our political prisoners behind bars. Like like uh, Sister Meja said earlier, just because they're behind bars, that doesn't mean that they have stopped uh, struggling and daring to win on behalf of the people. Sister uh, Meja, uh, anything stick out to you from those commentaries we heard from those uh, several political prisoners? Right. Um, one of the things that stuck out was uh, Mamiya talking about, um, you know, police abuse of, uh, you know, women and sexual abuse that is not really discussed a whole lot. It's kind of taboo on one end. But on the other end, there's not, while there's a talk, a lot of talk and discussion of um, having national databases regarding police murder and brutality and things like that, there's no data collection mechanism regarding um, when police officers uh, uh, sexually assault um, women. And um, there's actually something, there's a really big, um, push in uh, in Canada right now, where certain uh, group of women have uh, come forward to talk about how they've been assaulted in a specific community, Indigenous women. Um, yeah, so and there's I'm, a big I'm story. Glad. I mean, just interject there. There's a big story that's been an ongoing story of all the missing, and, and we certainly know about all the missing. Uh, women period in this country but primarily black women and women of color non-white women uh, missing in this country uh, never to be seen again 
Uh, but uh, that has also been getting a lot of press out of Canada. The indigenous women, some feel like they're being targeted or they are being targeted by somebody, by some group. But uh, the task force that was put together that is supposed to be trying to solve these crimes and it's rape and murder. Uh, they were quoted as saying somebody on the task force is saying, you know, pretty much these are just whores. That's disgusting. How could how the hell could you be on a task force and that is your mentality? You know, um, that person needs to get off the task force. And also, I um, wanted to mention something that is actually very heartbreaking is that um, the granddaughter of Dennis Banks, uh, Rose Downwind, is still missing um, from uh, many from from uh, I believe uh, Minneapolis or. The name doesn't sound familiar. Who's Dennis Banks? Dennis Banks, um, one of the um, original members of the American Indian Movement. Okay, okay. So, yeah, um, certainly Mamiya was bringing it strong on that, and we see that playing out now uh, in Oklahoma City, again with the uh, prosecution of former Oklahoma City cop Daniel Holesclaws. Uh, there's some proxy racism going there. I'm gonna have to put this black guy that flew out to stand up for his buddy, who he called a claw, and say, uh, "That's just not like him. He didn't rape those women." And and the media up there is trying to portray these women as you know uh, less than humans and people that shouldn't be believed, because I believe some of them may have some substance abuse problems. Uh, you know, presently or in the past or, or whatever. And so sometimes, though, you know, that is how uh, uh, these perpetrators, these rapists choose their victims, uh, um, you know, the most vulnerable of society. And, and so uh, definitely a case to uh, keep an eye on. But like Momia said, you know, uh, this pretty much all this epidemic of rape and sexual assault of men, women and children by law enforcement uh, is pretty much being kept quiet by, you know, what I call the um, the state propaganda channels, um, also known as corporate media. So I'm going to have to look up that Associated Press article because I hadn't even heard of it myself. And um, I'll definitely talk more about it later this week uh, during the week on Black Talk Radio News. Um, well, sis. So, Saudi, I just also wanted to mention, I'm looking at a newspaper article um, from the 14th. Um, there's actually um, a group of 150 volunteers that are in um, the Midigy, um where um, Rose is from, um, in the, from, I guess, uh, Minnesota or Minneapolis. And um, there was actually supposedly a continuation of um, public search um, scheduled for today. Okay. Okay. Um, as we move on, um, we only have like maybe seven minutes left. Uh, still waiting on uh, Sister Black Rose and uh, the Lotus Place to uh, dial in. So. Uh, once we see them, uh, then I know I need to transition if we need a little bit more time. But um, I have been speaking on this through Facebook and social media. Of course, you know, I don't I'm not on air on Saturday nights and stuff. But since the uh, tax happened in Paris, I have been 
writing about it on social media and one of the posts uh, has been widely shared I wouldn't call it viral uh, virals when you get tens of thousands or even a million people to share something uh, but it's been shared you know uh, by hundreds of people and, and tens of thousands have seen the post uh, but I uh, posted I put together a collage of the victims of the illegal overthrow of Libya, the murder of this prime minister, the pan-Africanist, uh, Muammar Gaddafi. Um, I took pictures of all the how black people were targeted and ethnic cleansing was going on while the United States and France and any of their other NATO prop, uh, uh, partners that took place in that, took part in that illegal regime regime change and and a lot of people don't know Libya was in good standing with the United States had a had you know reestablished uh normalization of relations and so you know I know Cuba is looking at them to you know with the side eye is this what normalizing relations look like that I have a treaty with you I even in the case of Libya become your ally in the so-called war on terror, except for I'm fighting a real a war on terror where you funding terrorists and whatnot, and I'm keeping them out of Europe. And so now that uh, Libya uh, four years ago was overthrown, uh, you might as well rename Libya the Islamic State because they are in total control of Libya, which again is a jump-off point into Europe. And, and so that's the background information that a lot of people um well i shouldn't say a lot of people but some people i've seen on social media they don't want to have the deeper conversation of why the attacks happen these attacks don't happen in a vacuum they happen as a result of your foreign policy of your government's uh foreign policy uh but also as you were speaking earlier amijo you know i really did not know cut you off, but I just got an emergency um, update on Robert Seth Hayes. Um, so it says, uh, today, Sunday the 15th, when Seth went to medical in the morning, he was taken out of Sullivan. He was apparently taken to Albany Medical Center, but the facility never called Sheila to inform her of this. It is extremely urgent that people make those calls to Dr. Kredessman's office and to Nancy Lying. Um then it says, um, yeah, what you shared earlier. Yeah, all those phone numbers are on our Facebook page on Political right. Prison Radio. So please uh, make those phone calls. Uh, thank you all for right, that so update. That's the update. So apparently Seth is in Albany um, Medical Center. Okay. So they've uh, let his condition get, as we knew, uh, worse and worse, and his health is deteriorating. So this is... Uh, an emergency, people. It's emergency. So uh, we owe it to our, our veterans, people who who were out there trying to make Black Lives Matter in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and who found themselves to be uh, find themselves now to be political prisoners because of their activities They're targeted through COINTELPRO. Uh, uh, U.S. United States government has admitted to its illegal COINTELPRO program under the orders of FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Um, yeah, um, but also, you know, I just will ask people to get, you know, more informed about these things. And, and, and if you're a human being, it's totally natural to have empathy when you hear about tax like this, when you see the bodies, when you see the blood, when you see the broken glass, when you see the charred out cars and whatnot. If you're a human being, you're going to have sympathy for uh, the ordinary citizens walking the street. 
Uh, and so I know that's where it comes from, you wanting to express solidarity with them by using that false flag. But um, also understand the reason why a lot of people uh, are not um, wanting to use that flag as their uh, profile picture um, because it represents the French government. And, you know, it has a long history. It has a long history of violence, uh, murder and theft against non-white people globally and primarily in Africa, which I, I, I used to think that colonialism was over and all these African nations had their independence. And I tell you, man, I, I'm always uh, tell myself, you know, I don't know everything and, you know, always be open to new information. And, and because of this attack, um, now I know uh, that you, France still has colonies in Africa, and and correct me if I'm wrong, they pretty much is paying uh, extortion uh, money to France. Yep. Wow. So, um, did you have any final thoughts in closing? As I see, uh, Black Rose is in the conference line, and we're getting ready to transition to the Lotus Place. Did you have any final thoughts, uh, Sister Amijo, on for the listeners tonight of Political Prisoner Radio? That's my final thoughts. Is you know we need all hands on deck um, to help with that. This is a serious crisis, and um, you know we need to make sure that he's taken care of and that he gets the medical attention that he need and for other folks to, you know, just be aware and stay updated as to what's happening, you know, with Mamiya's medical situation as well. Right. And like I uh, stated, uh, myself, Johanan and Max, uh, we will definitely be looking more into that case because it can have, it does have wide, uh, nationwide implications in terms of prisoners uh, getting access to the health care and, and the practice, the pattern and practice, the illegal, uh, I'm sure it's in violation of international law and human rights treaties to, for them to be denying uh, medicine to prisoners. So definitely that's something we want to look at through um, so That's part abolition. of all that universal declaration of human rights and things, you know, that, that uh, document that uh, the United States and Israel never really signed. So. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Political Prisoner Radio tonight. Uh, we will be back on air next Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. But uh, again, follow us on social media. Facebook page is Political Prisoner Radio, where we try to do our best to share information with you on the political prisoners as it is shared with us. Uh, recognize the fact that you live on a battlefield behind these enemy lines run by USA Inc. and that there are casualties being created every day, whether they're being killed by cops, raped by cops, sodomized by cops, brutalized by cops, made into new slaves for the new slavery in the 21st century, and you need to develop skills and awareness and uh, work on decreasing the likelihood that you will become one of these victims but there's no guarantee especially if you're a person who is out here in the fight uh, for human rights so with that said we'll be back next week peace and blessings to all